Uh, good morning, everybody. I'm glad you're here. Good. I'm glad we're here. We're here every week. 52 weeks a year, we are here. And I want to talk about the importance of why we're here. Why does it matter that we're here 52 weeks a year, that you're here on this regular basis? And so to start that, I want to talk a little bit about ritual. I want to talk about ritual. When you hear the word ritual, I don't know what comes to mind, but oftentimes we think of religious things around rituals. And because there are rituals in religion, but it's not exclusively about religious things. Here's a definition of a ritual. A ritual is an act or a series of acts uh, regularly repeated in a set manner. An act or a series of acts regularly repeated in a set order. That's a ritual. And rituals are important. And I say that as a guy who doesn't love rituals. I don't love rituals in my life. I don't like rituals in my religious life. But rituals have importance. Rituals connect us to things of value. Things beyond ourselves. Things greater than ourselves. And they help ultimately define who we are. Everybody has them. Whether you're a religious person or not a religious person, everybody has rituals. My family had rituals. When we had, when our boys were, were children, we had rituals in our family life. So we had rituals, for example, around dinner. We had dinner together as a family every night. And that wasn't always easy because my family, like many of your families, have lots of things pulling him in lots of different directions. So there were school activities and sports activities and uh, friends that were, you know, going in different directions and school. And Marilyn and I had jobs that had us out many nights during the week. And uh, so it wasn't easy, but we made it a value that we were going to have dinner together every night. It became a ritual. So we would gather at around the same time. Everybody had their little jobs that they would do. We would sit down in the same places around our kitchen table. We would join hands. We would pray together. And then we would eat. And we did that night after night after night after night. And what we were doing in that ritual was establishing among our family that with all of the other priorities, with all of the other things going on in our world, these relationships were of highest importance. That everything else could wait for a half an hour while we had dinner together. I was talking about this with my oldest son, Josh, uh, yesterday, and he reminded me that as part of that, that if the phone rang during dinner, this was back in an era, I don't know if you recall this, but we used to have phones on our walls, like in our kitchens. Um, if the phone rang, we didn't get up and answer the phone during dinner. Now, we had an answering machine, and if the person on the other end started to leave a message and it was important, we could get up and, and uh, take the call. But most times, it wasn't an important call. In fact, most times, it was a sales call. 
back when people actually made sales calls. Again, you remember this time? I'm ancient, I know, landlines and not robocalls, but actual people calls. Anyway, so we would, that became a ritual for us that we wanted our kids to know that these relationships were of utmost importance to us. And that during those times, and, and lots of times there was no deep conversation going on. We were just, how was your day? We would be uh, talking about stuff going on and, you know, joking around because there were three boys and only one girl, so it was a lot of joking around. And uh, pray for Marilyn. It's, it was... So that was a ritual in our lives. And it helped us understand something of value connected us to each other and the value of family and helped define who we are. In the series that we're beginning this morning, I want to talk about the importance of developing faith rituals in your life if you haven't already. We're going to be talking about three things in particular. We're going to be talking about worship, and we're going to be then talking about the plus two is um, spiritual growth, your own spiritual growth, and serving others. So it's worship, your own spiritual growth, and serving others, worship plus two. And if you don't have already regular practices in this, I want to highlight the importance of why why it's important to create these kinds of rituals, if you will, these regular things that you do in order to grow in your faith and deepen your faith in Christ. If you have been a part of this church for any period of time, you probably know that we have four strategies of ministry here. If you didn't know about that, on your way out, I just encourage you, stop in the lobby, look up on this wall over here out in the lobby, and you'll see images of these four strategies. It's four strategies of ministries, and the way we describe them is we invite, we connect, we grow, and we serve. We invite, we connect, we grow, and we serve. Everything that we do in this ministry falls under one of those areas within our ministry, whether it's in our children's area, our student ministry, everything that we do comes under one of those four things. What's not um, symbolized in that, however, is at the center of everything that we do is worship. Worship is at the heart, at the center of everything we do. In fact, that image of worship as a heart, I think, is a good one. It, think of the, the physical heart. So the blood goes, it gathers into the heart, and then it's pumped out. So it goes throughout the entire body, feeding the entire body. And it, then it circulates back in. It's purified. It comes back into the heart, and it's pumped back out. That's what we do in worship. We gather, and then we're pumped back out. We go back out into the world, back out into our lives, back out even into the church where we serve and grow, and invite, and then we come back together for worship, the heart, to be renewed and restored, and then back out into the world. This whole church started with just worship. Back at the very beginning, all we had was a worship service. We met in a school, we would worship together, and then we would go our separate ways. Everything that's happened over the 20, almost 29 years that this church has been around, 
started with worship and then would emanate out from there and we'd come back together for worship and then the things that we would do would emanate out from there. The same thing is happening today in Mount Laurel. Mount Laurel, when it first started, all it had was a worship service, our campus in Mount Laurel. And then over time, people on that campus would go to folks in Mount Laurel in the community and say, hey, what's going on in the community and how can we help? How can we serve? And so members of Hope, at every major activity that goes on in Mount Laurel, there are Hope people serving there. We've started a small group that meets on a weekly basis in Mount Laurel. It all started in worship. It's beginning to move out. They come together each week for worship, right? It's an important thing that we do. It's an important value that we come together for these times of worship. The series is really being based on a passage from the book of Acts, chapter 2, and it's verses 42 to 47. This is a passage that I refer to on a pretty regular basis, like once a year, maybe once every 18 months, I come back to this passage. The reason it's important is it's what I like to call the baby picture of the church, the church at its birth. What was going on there? What were they doing at the very foundation, at the very start of the church? Because what was happening there 2,000 years ago are the same kinds of things that we need to be doing today still. And so it's just a reference point for us to see, you know, what are we doing and how does it connect back to what the church was doing 2,000 years ago. So this morning I'm just going to look at two verses, verse 42 and verse 43, and unpack it a little bit with you. So verse 42 says this, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So that's part of what was going on in that early church. And really, it falls into two categories that fit with our ministry strategies. They were grow and connect. Hear what it said? They were together, all the, all the believers, and they were learning from the apostles. They wanted to know, what did Jesus say? What did he do? Tell us about Jesus. And the apostles would tell them about Jesus. And so their knowledge and understanding of who Jesus was, was growing. Their faith was growing. And they were committed to prayer. They were praying. They were, they were making contact with this transcendent God through Christ, through prayer. So their faith is growing. And they're having meals together. Right? They're having meals together in each other's homes. They're connecting. They're developing friendships. So they've got the horizontal and they've got the vertical going on. They're connecting with God and they're connecting with each other. That's an important part of what it means to be the church. And then this verse 43. Oh, so it, just real quick. What they're doing is they're becoming disciples. Right? So they're learning this stuff, and they're becoming a disciple, a follower of Jesus. You know what we say here at Hope Church about what it means to be a disciple, right? A disciple is a person who's in the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others. 
person who is in the process. It's a process. There's growth involved. It's not a static thing. It's not a one decision and I'm done. It's not, uh, you know, some ritual that I happened when I was a child. It's a process that I'm involved in, a growing process. It's taking me somewhere. It's taking me into a place where my life is becoming more and more conformed to Christ. And that it's not just for my benefit, that as my faith is growing, my life is going to be a blessing to others. It's for the sake of others. Okay, so then moving on to uh, 43. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonder. There was this sense of awe as they were gathered together, as they were coming together for times of worship and growth and so forth. As they were together, they saw signs and wonder, uh, signs and wonders, and they were filled with this sense of, wow, how amazing is God? I like to say that we come together at worship to be reminded of who we are and whose we are. Why do we come? We come to be reminded of who we are and whose we are. This ritual of coming together is this reminder, the same thing I was doing with my sons. When we would get together for dinner, I'm reminding them, Marilyn and I are reminding them of who they are. The world is trying to inform who they are, trying to tell them who they are and what they're about and, and what's important and so forth. And we wanted to be able to speak into their lives, sometimes contradicting what they might be hearing out in the world. We wanted to know who they were and whose they were. You're a Bills. You're a part of this family. We do the same thing in our faith life, right? who we are. Who are you? Who are you? When we come together, we're being told through our faith, through the word of God, who we are. So what does it have to say about who we are? Well, it says things like this. You were created in the image of God. The Bible says that he created them male and female in his image. In God's image, you were created in the image of God. That means you carry within you, you bear within your very soul the image of the creator. That there are parts of who you are, parts of your personality, parts of your creativity, parts of who you are that are a reflection of your creator. You're not here by accident. You're not here as the result of some cosmic accident. You are here by design, created in the image of God. That you were created for eternity. When God created us, he had an eternity in mind. There was no death at creation. That didn't come into being until after the fall. So we were created for eternity. And you were created with a purpose in mind. Your life has meaning and purpose. And nothing can frustrate that as you trust God. 
God has meaning and purpose in everything that you experience, the good, the bad, the ugly of your life, God can redeem it all toward a purpose and meaning in your life. And your life has purpose and meaning for eternity, not just for today. That's who you are. The church is the gathered believers. We are the ambassadors, the Bible says. We're ambassadors for Christ. That the church is the body of Christ, the living embodiment of Jesus in the world. And that at our best, the church has done incredible things throughout history. Transformational things. The world is a better place because of the church. Communities are better places because of the church at its best. We do transformational things that bless people's lives, even people who disagree with our faith. We bring blessings into the community. That's who we are. We also are not always at our best, right? We fail to be Christ to the world. We fail in that effort. We are not fully conformed to the image of Christ. We fall short. We make mistakes. We get things wrong. And when we do that, the Bible has a name for that. It's called sin. That falling short, missing the mark, that's the very definition of sin. But the Bible also says that we're not defined by sin. We're defined by our relationship with Christ, who covered our sin who made us right in the sight of a holy God. That's who you are. Now that's, you know, all high-level stuff, and, you know, we unpack that, we talk about that throughout the course of a year. So as we are gathered here for this ritual of worship, we're being reminded of who we are, who you are. And sometimes the world wants to tear you down and convince you that you are less than what God created you to be. And we all need to be reminded of who we are. But we're not only being reminded of who we are, we're being reminded of whose we are. Whose we are. We belong to the transcendent God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. You belong to the transcendent God. The God who created the universe, the universe, the transcendent, all-powerful God, the universe, it, it's mind-blowing, right? The universe. Here's just an example of the size and scope of the universe. I was wanting to share some measure of this. So here's, here's just a fun little fact. If you wanted to travel to the closest galaxy, you know there are billions of galaxies. We heard it in one of the songs we sang, right? God of creation, you know, billions, 100 billion galaxies. There are billions and billions of galaxies. If we wanted to travel to the next closest galaxy to us, let's say you started at birth on this journey. And let's say you were traveling at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second. 
to get to the next closest galaxy would take 25,000 lifetimes if a lifetime was 80 years. It's 2 million light years away. It would take 25,000 lifetimes, 25,000 generations to get to the next nearest galaxies, and there are billions of galaxies. That's what God created. That's the vastness of God. But we also know a God who is intimate. The Bible tells us that God is closer than your very breath, that he knows you to the point of every hair on your head. We have a God who knows and cares about the details of our lives. We have a God who loved us with an unending love, who sent his son. Again, we sang about it this morning. This is one of those ways that we're reminded, right? The songs that we sing. The second verse that we sang at that opening song, and when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on a cross, his life he gladly gave, he bled and died to take away my sin, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. That's the God who we know. And just like that early church, when we gather together as a community of faith, the Holy Spirit works in a different kind of way, a special kind of way. Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. God is here in special ways when we gather as a community. Again, another reason why it's important for us to gather together, to be reminded that God is still in the business of doing miracles and wonders. We talk about those things when we're here. But more than just in this room, we say here at Hope Church that worship begins as soon as you get onto the property. It's not as soon as the band starts, it's as soon as you get on the property. And as you get to know people, as you make those connections and you hear people's stories, you hear the wonders that God is doing in people's lives. I walk away every Sunday inspired, not by the message, right? I mean, they're good. Yeah. But that's not what inspires me, right? It's your stories. So I've heard 15 or 20 stories just this morning of people talking about things that they're dealing with, things that they're going through, things that they've seen and experienced. And it reminds me that God is still in the awe-inspiring business of doing miraculous signs and wonders. Here's one. Think about this. 2,000 years ago, not 200, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was in a dining hall with 12 friends. No one else was there. And he said to them, I'm going to die. 
I'm going to be crucified, but my death is going to be a blessing to you and to others. And I don't want you to forget the cost of the grace that I'm going to give. And so he took a piece of bread and he broke that bread and he said, when you, when you break bread like this, I want it to be a reminder of my broken body. And then he took the cup and he said, when you, when you drink of this, let it be a reminder of my blood shed for you. He said that in a closed room to 12 men 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years later, here we are. And we share in that memory with billions and billions and billions of believers throughout the ages on every continent on the planet, in every language, as they do exactly that same thing. This ritual is a reminder of who you are and whose you are.